Yeah. I mean, my bronze completes me. My dark side completes me. You know, I believe in, I believe in monoism, I guess, you know, there's a lot of duality in this world, but that's a completion, right? Yeah. It's like, you need to have both and Einstein you can't have one without no the genius other. without a touch of crazy or no a touch shit. of insanity, something yes. like that. Yeah. And it's true. You know, like the idiot me, you know, kind of makes me to find my brilliance too. It's just, yeah, it's all one. And there's, you know, the contrast in my life, the, the tough times in my life, um, you know, have made me who I am, the failures. And, but I, I aspire to be a champion every single day. And I want to stand for sustained excellence a hundred percent. Thanks for pressing play. This is Christopher Lockhead, follow your different. And we aspire to have real conversations, not traditional interviews, that celebrate the people, ideas, and companies that are making our world a different place. And man, oh man, do we ever have that today. As usual, we're sponsored by Oracle NetSuite. Learn how to turbocharge the growth of your business at netsuite.com different. And while you're there, you'll be able to set up a free one-hour growth review with an expert in your industry. Check out netsuite.com different today. On this episode a true legendary champion and one of the most dominant American Olympians in history, none other than Carrie Walsh Jennings. Yep, that's right. She's here. She's been called the best beach volleyball player in the world. She's a five-time Olympian. That means she's been five times to the Olympics and she's getting ready to go one more time. She's a three-time gold medalist and a one-time bronze medalist. Um, and she's the career leader in beach volleyball wins. Uh, she is the Muhammad Ali of beach volleyball. Um, and Carrie is half of what's been called, quote, the greatest beach volleyball team of all time with her longtime partner, the now retired Misty May trainer. And Carrie is currently uh, training and competing with uh, her new partner, Brooke Sweat, to um, make the Olympic team compete and win in Tokyo. And I'll tell you, I wouldn't bet against these gals. The other amazing thing about Carrie is she's an entrepreneur. Uh, she founded um, the P1440 Volleyball Tour, bringing her sport to the masses. And um, if you check them out, who knows, maybe they'll be in a town near you. The other thing I want to tell you, um, some people don't know this, she actually won one of her gold medals while pregnant with a baby. She was making a person and winning at the Olympics at the same time. She's an extraordinary human being. And most importantly, she's a real person. We have an authentic conversation. She's incredibly generous. Uh, we cover many topics. For example, uh, uh, her distinction between inspiration and motivation. What drives her, in particular, why her potential is something that drives her. How she handles winning and losing. And she talks about how um, the, the joy of winning motivates and inspires her more than the pain of of losing. Uh, she shares why being an inspired person and living an inspired life means so much to her. Uh, to her, And there's a lot to take away on this episode. Um, you could easily take a full freaking um, note, notebook, notepad full of uh, notes. She's incredible. The other thing I wanted to tell you off the top, um, this is another great example of the power of a dialogue podcast. If you've seen Carrie before, which you probably have, you know, in a traditional interview, you're going to get a few minutes with her at most. If you see her on 60 Minutes, maybe you're going to get six minutes with her. And even on a traditional podcast, if it's a, 
traditional interview podcast. It's going to get edited and sliced and diced, and the producers of that podcast are only going to show you what they want to show you. Uh, in this case, what you get is from the moment I hit uh, record to the moment I hit stop, the complete conversation with a legit living legend. For more on Carrie's background and the key takeaways from this episode, visit Lockhead.com. And now, hey-ho, let's go. So, hi, Carrie. How are you? I'm very, very well. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you. I'm so stoked to meet you. Thank you. I'll meet you. I'm just now noticing your background. I love everything in your office. Thank I have you. the do I have the do epic S H I T sign. My kids like to giggle at it every day. Uh, I <laughs> yeah, love one your of surfboard. My dear friends gave that to me. One of my dear friends gave me that surfboard too. That's Joey so Ramon on there saying, Hey ho. Ah, I love it. Yeah. Yay. Well, welcome to mine. <laughs> yeah, I see you had a surfboard back there. I know. It's so cool. So my dad at the last Olympics in Rio, there's um, every Olympics, there's something called the USA house and it's USA hosts it for the family, uh, family and friends. And it's all outfitted. And my dad actually got the artist to sell that to him. It's very Rio centric. Um, but there's also some American flavor in there. And on this side, I got the coolest thing that we have, I think. Oh, uh, Paul cool Newman. <laughs> I love uh, that movie. Favorite. Cool hound Luke. It's so good. I got right? that from hubby a while ago. Yeah. There's so many little sage pieces of advice in that movie. Truly, truly. And never go into a hard-boiled eating contest. I learned that as well <laughs> in that movie. It'll make you sick. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I guess you're somebody who watches uh, your diet very carefully, right? Well, I do like hard-boiled eggs. I like any kind of eggs. Um, yes, I do. It's part of the job. But um, I actually really enjoy it. You know, there was a time in my life where I just, I didn't care. I didn't pay attention. I wasn't as mindful, you know, of my, of my intake. Um, and now I'm mindful of my intake of everything. Social media, books I read, food I digest. Um, everything is, you know, has an effect on me and I'm getting more sensitive. And why do you think you're getting more sensitive? I think because I care more. <laughs> You know, like I think I'm paying more attention. Um, And I think that when you're, when you're sensitive to things, it means that there's strength there, you know, and that you're like, you're working your way through stuff. And um, yeah, I just, I think I want to be sensitive and I want to be a finely tuned machine, you know? And so when you are, and when you take good care of yourself, when something interjects in your system that you don't care for, it's going to get loud fast. So you react fast. And that's, I mentally, emotionally, you know, the, the foods I eat, like this is happening to me all around my life, which yeah. I think I appreciate. But at the moment, I'm like, oh, let me enjoy this, will you? <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, in preparation for our conversation today, uh, I've been consuming a lot of your stuff, you know, as you might expect. I apologize. And- no, you're great. I, I, listen, I was a fan a long time ago. And so the opportunity to get to know you better is really um, something I'm much looking forward to. And one of the things that struck me is, wow, the level of discipline you seem to exert in your life to be who you are, particularly at this stage of your career and your life. But I'm curious how you think about discipline. Um. You know, Jocko Willink, the um, amazing, you know, Navy SEAL, gnarly guy, he says discipline equals freedom. 
And that's one of my favorite quotes and it resonates so deeply. And so for me, discipline is, it's just showing up, you know, and doing what it takes, um, on the daily, you know, there's kind of no days off. And I think a lot of people I've gotten, I've gotten, I think probably a lot of high performers and people going after big things, you get a lot of flack and people are like, Oh, you're so disciplined. Like you're being punished. And it's like, Oh no, no, you have no idea. You know how liberating it is to be on point. It allows me to breathe. It allows me to accomplish and it allows me the space to maneuver in. And so I think how we frame things in life is really important. And discipline to me is a beautiful word. It's like competition is a beautiful word, but some people it drives them crazy. You know, they, they kind of see you through this filter of kind of an asshole because they think you want to beat them. You're like, no, I'm here to compete. Like I'm here to have fun, you know, kind of same thing with discipline. I really enjoy it. Um, it makes me feel good to be consistent, you know, and to do the hard things when things are hard and to do it until they're done. And so what do you think, particularly now that you're a mom, what do you think about this world that we live in where there's participation trophies and everybody gets a cookie and we don't keep score, uh, given your relationship to competition and particularly your relationship to winning? I mean, I think everyone can have a cookie. Everyone can have a trophy. But I think when you win, you celebrate it. And I think when you lose, you know it, <laughs> you know, and I, you know, I, I think it's really important, important to encourage kids to, to participate. You know, I think that's very, very important. Um, but I also, on the flip side, do think it's important that we celebrate those doing well, you know, and don't try to like cover up the score. The kids know that it's 30 to zero, <laughs> you know, and, you know, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I think there's a fine line in there, but I, if I had to pick one side or the other, I would say trophies only to the winners. Um, but again, this day and age also, I, I think that kids don't know how to play anymore. Mm. You know, it's like I started playing for results in high school, you know, and now kids are playing for results for that college scholarship to get known. Like they're literally being um, like specialized at 10 years old. Like that makes me so sad for these kids, you know, like the pressure they have. So if getting a, get, getting a trophy makes a kid play a couple extra years, I mean, I'm all for that, you know, but that's a different conversation. Yeah. Now you seem to have an extraordinary relationship with um, winning, with being the best in the world. I mean, you're one of the greatest uh, Olympic athletes of all time. And so tell me about your relationship with winning. Man, I love it. <laughs> Like, it's just, it's a love affair that has been a little bit cold lately and it drives me nuts. And I'm, I, I just love winning. It fuels me so much, you know, and, um, I just got back from a trip to Australia. That's why I sound like I've been on a bender. <laughs> I'm so tired. I'm so sorry. You weren't up last uh, night drinking a bottle of whiskey. I was not. I'm actually quite sober. Um, no, I wasn't so, but I apologize anyhow for all of this, no, but, you're, you're um, fantastic. Well, thank you. Um, we, uh, and we got third in Australia and, you know, 10 years ago, that would have pissed me off. Um, because I, I mean, I don't want third. I don't. However, we had to win to get third and it's been a while since I won. And, you know, they say moving lo motivates you and it does, but winning is like, amazing, beautiful fuel, you know, and it, it does become a habit. You know, I can't remember which, um, you know, basketball coach in the day said winning is a habit, but it's a habit. And when you lose, it gets into your psyche and it drives you crazy. And it's kind of like having a chronic injury, you know, where it's just, it's just kind of a weight on your shoulders and it's something that kind of seeps into like a toxic in a toxic way in your environment. And winning is not that. 
um, you know, winning to me is just what it's all about. And I, I love winning more than I hate losing, which I think is why I'm still going. Cause if I hated losing as much as I love winning, I'd be retired <laughs> before I even started. Can I slow um, you down there? So, so you, yeah. can you say that again for me? I said, I love winning more than I hate losing. More than you hate losing. Yeah. I mean, love always wins, you know, and hate is just toxic. And, but I, I hate losing. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. There's positives to it for sure. But um, it's winning that drives me. I don't think about losing when it happens. You know, it, um, you know, it makes me look in the mirror, which I appreciate. There's a reckoning there. But it's the winning that um, keeps me going. And striving for that. When you win, you know, most of us in our jobs, when we go to work, when we win or when we lose, there aren't millions of people watching. And of course, in the Olympics, tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of people watching. And so tell me a little bit about what's that like when the literally the whole world is watching you and your partner either win or lose. You know, it's something that not once has ever occurred to me ever. Um, it's just, you know, I'm just an athlete playing a game that I've played since I was 10 years old, you know, and at the Olympics, it's so fun. I mean, it's important when you go to the Olympics, something as big as that or a national champion, whatever championship, whatever it is that you kind of create a bubble around you. Cause you want to feel safe. You want to have a getaway. You don't want to be in the noise because that constant noise and input into your system takes you off your game, you know, and you want to be focused on what you're focused on and what you're used to being focused on. Um, so the Olympics are a beautiful thing. They absolutely changed my life. Um, but I don't recognize the noise until I'm home. So and it doesn't occur to you thing. that some giant percentage of the planet is watching you and your partner take, no. take the court and, and go for that medal. I hope for that. You know, I, I hope that people are watching. I know beach volleyball has been, if not number one, like top three most viewed sports in the Olympics, um, I think since 2004, which is pretty incredible. We need to keep and, that up. And I hate to interrupt you, but thanks in a huge part to you and to Misty May. Oh, man. Well, Dick I mean, you guys saw... made you guys made beach volleyball. I mean, I, I don't know how you can put it any other way. Well, there were plenty of pioneers and amazing people before us. Karch Cry, Holly McPeak, you know, Mike Whitmarsh, Mike Dodd. We had so many legends before us and they got the games going. You know, the first beach volleyball games was in 1996 and USA won. Um, and then, you know, we were in, so in 96, 2000, 2004, Misty and I were in the third ever Olympics for beach volleyball. And then we won three in a row. So that is going to make you kind of popular, which is so nice. But Dick Ebersol was running NBC Olympics at the time and he changed our lives. He put us in prime time. He, he felt to the energy around us and the way people responded to us. And then we won when he gave us the opportunity to shine bright. Um, so yeah, it was pretty cool. Well, and the other interesting thing to me, and you, you know, I'm not anywhere near as educated as you are, but it appears that you folks um, are somewhat like the, the female tennis players now where the women's game, it has eclipsed in many ways, the men's game and maybe even more so than, than in tennis. I can't, as a, as a casual fan, I can't name the number one male team, but I, I watched you, particularly in Misty May, in every Olympics you guys competed in. I watched you in the last one as well, of course, but, you know, the world has fallen in love with, with, with you and in a way that maybe we have it with your male counterparts. Oh, man. Well, you know, again, before us was Parch Karai, and have you heard of Parch Karai? So no. he's, oh, you have not? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's a, to, that's, hey, I that's grew up so in Canada. Crazy. I'm sorry. I just heard it in your voice. Actually, I didn't recognize that. 
Uh, well, if you're an American, you've probably heard of Karchin. He's kind of the Michael Jordan of our sport. Um, but no, you know, the you're the I Michael think, Jordan of your sport. Well, I'm me. I'm me. I'm me. I want to be me. Um, but certainly inspired by Michael. Um, no, you know, women have been leading the charge. I think you're right. Ever since Misty and I kind of took the stage, but Misty retired in 2012. Um, and I'm going out after this Olympic games and we need new and bigger stars and the men of our sport make the woman better. You know, it's, it's, it's very similar to tennis, you know, um, you know, what's Serena Williams without Roger Federer, you know, on the next court, like, it's just so cool when you can have two sports yeah, that celebrate each other. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, I mean, there's so many amazing individuals, same thing in our sport. Um, and it's, yeah, but I do appreciate in this day and age, you know, I have a daughter, but I also have two sons and I, I love just kick-ass woman kicking ass, you yeah. know, but I, I love when kick-ass guys are kicking ass, you know, and, but I think it's just more seen as more rare in the women's field because, you know, you have other sports that it's so easy to compare to men like w, WNBA. Those girls are ridiculous. They will kick your ass and have so much fun doing it, but people compare them to the NBA and it's not fair, you know, same thing with women's softball, you know, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. It's just for some reason, beach volleyball and volleyball in general is something that you can celebrate and appreciate outside of the men's game, not compare. And I think that helps us. You know, I'm a, it's interesting you say that because I'm a huge fight fan, in particular MMA fan. Mm. And it has been so exciting over the last handful of years to see that today you have um, pay-per-views in the UFC that are headlined by women fighters yeah. And I wonder, you know, because maybe because um, fighting has always had different weight classes uh, in for men and for women. So maybe that's why it's accepted as such. But I mean, uh, listen, I'll watch the t some of the top women fight and be as excited about that as I will any men's fight. And 100 percent. Yeah. They're incredibly yeah, Rose, inspiring. I mean, yeah, it's so fun. It's so Did cool. You say yeah, Rose. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> what a warrior she is. Isn't oh, she? my God. Gosh, I kind of want to be like her. Yeah, she's incredible. And Holly Holmes and Rhonda. I mean, yeah, it's it's exciting. You know, I think that sport is very easy to see the warrior in these people, you know, in these humans. And I think that's what is the appeal is. You know, you have these women who are clearly finely tuned uh, machines going at it, you know, and there's no need to compare to guys because you just see them for, in all their glory. It's, it's beautiful. You know, I so appreciate what Dana Wyatt and UFC have done. You know, with we started a company last year called P1440 and we're trying to revolutionize the sport of beach volleyball and make it prominent, not just in the Olympics, but every single year. And we study UFC and Dana and the moves they're making and the content they're putting out. And, you know, the way they celebrate the athletes um, and tell their stories is so beautiful. And then you have the game day platform where they're just, you know, fight day platform where they're just kicking ass. It's, it's rad. We want that in our sport. We need that in our sport. There's too many great stories out there, too, too many compelling partnerships, you know, to have, you know, left in the dark for three and a half years. So this is a big area I'm curious to talk to you about. Um, you conquer the world of sports. You become one of the most dominant Olympic athletes of all time, female or male. You're obviously, you're still at it. And I want to talk about the coming Olympics and kind of where you're, where you're at. Um, but I'm also curious, Carrie Walsh Jennings is an entrepreneur now. <laughs> Woo! Right? I feel like, I feel like I should wear a medal for that. People I think like, you should ever, wear a medal for that. Do you ever wear your that? gold medals? I was like, I, once I get them and take them off, I never put them back on. But this entrepreneur world, holy hell, I want to earn a gold medal every day. It's so gnarly. It's so fun and so exciting and so stressful. And it's like having a child. The hardest thing about parenting is that it's 24-7, 365. It's the relentlessness of it, you know? Um, and the, it's just every day, all day. Even when I'm in Australia, like the larger part of me is a parent, right? 
yeah. preaching to the choir. Yeah. And it's the same thing, you know, with our company, P1440. It's just when you put your heart and soul and it's your baby, um, and so many things are not in our control, you know, and you right. have this world that one wants to get rid of you as an athlete. Like I am so blessed that I win or lose it's black or white. And it's largely dependent on my own, you know, output and how much I was prepared and all these things. If someone beats me on that day, you know, fine, a few, but fine. Um, I'll have another shot, but man, this business world is really exciting. And I, I feel like I'm getting a master's degree, um, every single day learning so much. It's, it's, it's a hell of a world. And what are the kinds of things that you're learning as an entrepreneur, Carrie? Man, just to really get my hands in the mud, in the dirt, you know, don't assume anything. Don't presume to know other people thinking, you know, even if you have a very in-depth conversation, know that two people are going to hear things and see things differently. So if you're working on a project, you know, take every step by step by step. Don't, you know, cut out for any of them. Um, that your team same thing with sport your team is everything my god and your attitude is everything you know you you prepare and you work your ass off and you have to be nimble like an athlete you know if the winds change or if a team has you know whatever uh, an approach against you that's causing you trouble like you have to be nimble and you have to adjust um but team is everything you know, and, and having honest, open communication in a culture where you can hold yourself and each other accountable. Um, so you can get through the tough times and live in the good times. Like it's, it's all very, very similar to sport without, with the additional stress of there's a lot out of my control, right? <laughs> which, which is a type A personality. It's pretty hard. Do you feel there's more in your control, uh, in volleyball than there is in, in business? Oh my God. Yes. Everything. Most things are on my timeline, you know, and when I get in the court and I'm competing and then I just, it's all about giving it my all, you know, it's not about the end result, even though we all know what I want the end result to be. It's, I focus on a hundred percent on things that I control. And I guess that's the same thing as an entrepreneur. You're focused on what you can control because I can't control the market. I can't control how people are going to respond to us. Um, but that being said, like, you know, when you're having an event people aren't getting back to you and your timeline is not the same as other people's timelines and, you know, you want funding and you want these brands to support you and, you know, your visions are different or whatever it is, you know, the nuances of life are the most beautiful part of life. Um, but it can also drive you crazy. It sounds like you're learning to sell a little, Carrie. Oh my hell. I, apparently I'm terrible, <laughs> but you know what? I, I believe in what we're doing so much that it's so easy to talk about. You know, I, this sport has given me everything. Sport in general has given me everything. And, um, and so to be able to, to work really hard alongside my husband, who I'm his biggest fan. I love him so much. And our, and our team, you know, Dave and Kasha Mays, it's, it's really fun to work so hard on something that I love so much. Hmm. Now, uh, I, I've heard you talk a lot about your marriage and you're somebody who as a massive public figure, it strikes me on one hand, you've been very open, but on the other hand, you're not one of these, I'll just say it, asshole Kardashian, look at me, look at me. I'm oh. going to broadcast it, you know, every time I take a poop or whatever <laughs> type of asshole. And so on one hand, you, you, so you, you found this magic line, it seems, Carrie, where on one hand, you're a real human being in the world, particularly as a public figure, when you could play a character and you clearly don't, and you've been open about some of the things in your marriage. And, and yet at the same time, you, you haven't turned yourself into one of these, you know, social media douchebag porn star type <laughs> individuals. So how do you think about sort of how to be in the world as a giant, 
you know, I don't want to, I don't know. Are you a celebrity? I don't You're certainly a no. public figure. You're a giant public figure. I'm not. Figure. Thank God I'm not a celebrity. You know, I, and I, I know what you're saying about the reality TV world. I just have so much respect though for the Kardashians because they work their asses off and I appreciate that about them. You know, I don't love everything they do, but I just want to get that in there because anyone who's busting their asses like they are, you know, they choose their life. I'm not going to judge them. Um, God bless them. You know, hopefully they do a lot of good in this world. Um, but as know. far as you're a nicer person than I, I'm not that charitable towards. Them. Oh, well, well, okay, we'll leave it there. But um, <laughs> but, I, uh, but how is it that you're so genuinely yourself and yet you're not one of these look at me, look at me types? Well, you know, I kind of, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm just me. I don't know how to answer that. You know, I if if you met my family, you know that if, if I was an asshole, I, I wouldn't survive. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm grounded because, you know, I have my faith. I believe in God. I talk to God every day. I have my family, um, who is very present in me, you know, and I just, I, I hold myself accountable and I know the type of person I want to be. Um, I want my winning to, you know, bring my, my son, my team and my sport in the spotlight. You know, I'm not after any big spotlight. I want to pay my bills. I want to be the best there's ever been. Um, and whatever comes with that, I'll take it. And then I'd, I want to be a light in this world, you know, and you mentioned my marriage and I'm so proud of my marriage, even the times where I thought we were going to divorce, you know, and um, because it's real and we fought for it and we overcame and now we have three beautiful kids. We've been together for, you know, I in April, April 6th, we'll be together for 18 years, you know, like that's a beautiful thing. Um, and so, Is yeah, it weird I don't to know. think that in 2020, you're going to compete against athletes that have basically been around plus or minus as long as your marriage. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, I'm 40 and I know it's so true. I know like there's so many things that if I thought about it in depth, I'd be like, fuck, man, <laughs> what is that happening? But like, I just got back from Australia, like I said, and everyone is a puppy. Like everyone is so young. It's crazy. Yeah. And for a while, I just, I mean, when you're in like mid thirties, you don't really think about it. Once you get 40, you're just kind of, it's a big number, you know, and literally some of these girls are not 20 yet. Yeah. And it's nuts. And so, um, it's just part of it, but you know, I could do the whole spiel about experience and, you know, there's no substitute for that. And that's all the stuff I believe in. But when it comes down to it is like, I just want to live a beautiful life no matter, no matter where I'm at in my life. And 40 feels really good. Yep. And um, I don't care who I'm competing against. I never have. When I was young, fighting 30-something-year-olds, I, I never thought once about how old anyone was. You know, I thought about how good they were, what an opportunity this was, how much I want to beat them. Um, so age is just a fun thing. But my, 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 full, my full life, my marriage, my kids, um, 1440, you know, all of that is fueled my comp- competitive fire. And it allows me to compete more freely in a weird way, you know, because I do have more than just the outcome of the Olympics, you know, winning bronze and real hurt my heart. <laughs> it hurt my heart, you know, because I lost and I took us out of contention for a gold medal because of my performance. And that crushed me. Um, I literally lived my worst nightmare, but once you live your worst nightmare, like almost losing your marriage, um, you know, when you go to hell, you come out of it and you come out of it in a better place with wisdom. And I, so I've lived that in my life, you know, whether it's my marriage or losing loved ones. Um, and then my, in my sports career, losing on the biggest stage by playing a shitty game, you know, so watch out. Now I'm curious if let's, if you don't mind, let's talk a little bit about that bronze. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I spent some time hanging out on your social media of late and, and so forth. And, and one of the things I noticed on your Twitter 
I don't know if it's on your Instagram as well, but in your sort of the mini bio that you have on your Twitter, you've got that you're a bronze medalist. Okay. And so why do you put the bronze right there with all of your goals? Oh, well, I'm so, well, because I'm so proud of it ultimately, you know, and it's an Olympic medal like that. There's nothing shabby or shanty about that. Like that's something so I'm you so proud of. That expression of, I remember there uh, came out a while ago and there was a big backlash and I, I might get it wrong, but something like, you know, you don't win a silver, you lose a gold. Uh, and so does that, but you win a bronze. You do win a bronze. There is a difference get, there. So is bronze better than silver in that kind? Con- or how do you think about it? I don't know. To be honest, I've never, I don't, I've never won a silver. Yeah. But there's something about winning your final match, which is hugely important. As an athlete, there's something about getting your teeth knocked out, coming back the next day and winning. Yeah. Um, like that's a, that creates a warrior in you. You know, having to do that is so gnarly, but you know, and then once you make the gold medal match, it's like, you're, you're winning something so right. you can play more free. But when you lose, I don't know how that feels. I don't, I mean, I've, I've won, I won a silver in a world championships sucks, um, for that day. But then, you know, a week later, like, can hey, I win a silver in world champs? That's better than bronze. <laughs> you know? So it's just, well, it is what it is, you know, but you're winning something. If you take home a medal on anything, that's pretty special, you know, but now when I do appearances, if I don't bring the bronze, I feel like a fraud, hmm. you know, like it's just part of my story. It's my most recent one, you know, and, and my gold medals are so old news and I want a new one. And I want to win a lot on the way to the new one. So, and it's not, I don't want to disrespect them because they made me who I am. Like my time with Misty was absolutely precious to me. And my whole life of being a 40 year old woman, my 11 years with Misty was magical. And it was well, hell. And for it was us hard. As fans but, watching you to do that, I mean, I mean, of course, there were other athletes in other domains that people were in love with, but there were no athletes that I remember during that run that were more beloved than you and Misty. Oh man. Yeah. We were, there was something magic about us. There really there was. was. And, and I, yeah, it was just special, you know, cause we weren't the tightest of friends, but we loved each other fiercely, you know? And I think it's just cause we're kind of two lone wolves. We're kind of, you know, we're both just, we're pretty quiet, shy people. You know, I'm a little more loud than Misty and I think I've trained myself to be, but we're both very introverted um, and we just fit each other and we went through life together and, you know, she lost her mom in her second year together and we went through that together and that was a beautiful, I mean, so sad, you know, Barbara May and up in heaven, but it was a beautiful experience for us because we came together and brought us together while we're traveling the world, you know, and so we were not only athletes figuring out how to play together and how to take on the world, but we were dealing with really heavy life stuff together. You know, when you go through stuff like that with someone, you're, you're connected forever. Um, but no, Misty is a wonderful woman. Um, we just reconnected recently after a while. We haven't, you know, just been talking. She has three babies. She's got twin girls. Um, I got my three kids and 14, 40 and everything. And so it was really good to reconnect with her because there is magic, you know, and, yeah. um, I, I, I don't like, I have a partner right now, Brooks and my time. I want to just say this, my time with April Ross, we won the bronze was rad also, you know, April's a machine. She's literally a machine. And that was probably the hardest part for me because she was more task oriented and focused on that and didn't really care about the relationship. Not that she wasn't a good friend you or anything. The, the a good personal partner. relationship between you. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm just a connector, you know, like I can go through hell if I know we're together. 
and I will go through hell. And um, April and I had a great partnership, but there was something missing, and it was the relationship component, you know. And um, she's, you know, good without having that. And I just want a little deeper level of intimacy and a connection, you know. I'm a little bit needier. Um, and so moving forward, how long sweat, are you with April? For uh, just over three years. Yeah. Um, so after London, I had my baby and then came back. So the, the day, and I want to get to the babies because I, I, I'm fascinated with you. The, you know, you're just this Wonder Woman, but we'll get to that in a sec. Um, but I'm curious, what's it like the day Misty comes to you and says, Carrie, I think I'm out? Well, it was a long time coming yeah, for Misty. It was, it, she she rolled. She, it was the, she, well, tell me about it. Well, so Missy retired. So we had Beijing, the Olympic Games. We were both going to get pregnant and have babies. Um, that happened for me, and it didn't happen for Missy. Um, and so I got pregnant for two years, basically. had our two boys, and then Missy was competing still, and then she got hurt on Dancing with the Stars, and she tore her Achilles. And um, that kind of put her life on hold. She got, she got back to competing, and then she decided to retire before London, and she was done. And I asked her, I was like, Miss, are you, are you really done? Cause I'm going to find a partner and I would love to play with you. And she's like, no, I'm done. I'm just done. And so I picked this woman who's an amazing woman, Nicole Branner. She's a NorCal girl as well um, from Orinda. And she's just a champion in so many ways. And so we decided to team up. And then I think, so in 2011, like in end of January, early February, Misty calls and says, Carrie, we got to talk. I was like, Oh hell, what, what did I do wrong? Didn't, <laughs> didn't expect her to say, you know, I'm coming back. And she's like, I want to come back and I want to play with you if you have me. And so it, it was such a beautiful thing, you know, cause it's hard, you know, to raise your hand and say, Hey, I changed my mind. So I respect that so much from her. And then for my situation with Nicole, I love Nicole. Nicole's a, a, like a friend. And I had to really think about it and trust that Misty was going to come back and we were going to be able to you know, carry on and get stronger. And so it was a really very, very hard decision. But ultimately, you know, how do you say no to magic? And um, I said yes to Misty and I had to break Nicole's heart. And that for sure impacted our relationship forever. Um, but it was the, the like last two years of Misty was magical. Theory. It's is like it? Van Halen. I don't I mean, know their story. Sammy Hagar is one of the greatest front men and singers in rock and roll history, but it's not Van Halen without David Lee Roth. <laughs> oh no, you're right. Right, right. And you guys were like that. I mean, you guys yes. were like David Lee Roth and Eddie Van Halen. I mean, just an, a, a magical combination. Yeah, that's so nice. Yeah, yeah, we were, and we knew it, you know, and it's hard for other people to put, it's hard to put into words when you're trying to explain yourself. And then, so anyhow, moving forward with Brooke Sweat, my current partner. Um, like how, I just showed, remind me how long you and Brooke have been together, Carrie? We just got together at the end of 2018. Yeah. So, it's, so it just a couple months. Yeah. Oh, we're dating. Yes. Yeah. We're very new. <laughs> and so, but we're qualifying. We're trying to qualify for the Olympics in Tokyo 2020. And it's already started. We have three tournaments under our belt. We have two thirds and a ninth. And it doesn't feel great because we want to be winning. But we're getting, we're trending upward, which is awesome. But I just showed Brooke a video that I, I was a little hesitant, sure, but it was of Misty and I, and it was a video that my husband and our sports psychologist put together before in London. We, we watched it before every single match. And it was a highlight video. And it wasn't just like amazing plays. It was the why we do this. It was our family and it was our relationship. And it was full of our favorite athletes and amazing quotes. And I showed Brooke and I was like, Brooke, I'm showing you this because I want you to see how deeply connected Misty and I were. And also that we were hunters. There's literally video clips of lions chasing hyenas like, get the hell off. This is mine. 
And I want us to be that, you know, we need to be hunters. We need to assert ourselves and we, you know, we need to create our own magic. And, um, it's such a fun thing, but it's something that takes time. I had 10 plus years with Misty to develop that. We had something so special from day one that we really created it and crafted it and curated this amazing presence together where we won matches before we stepped on the court. And I want that back. And you get that back by eliminating all doubt. Brooke and I have unwavering faith. We're both very faithful people, believe in God, talk to God every day. But there's a little bit of self-doubt in each of us that we need to diminish and get rid of. And so talking to you, you know, like these opportunities to talk about your passions, it really does help to fortify yourself and gets rid of all the BS, you know? So I'm excited for it. Now, I'm really curious about this. Um, you know, we had, as you and I talked a little bit over text, we had Andre Iguodala on the podcast not that so long rad. ago. And um, one of the things he shared with me, Carrie, that sort of blew me away with how raw and honest he was is that the second and third championships don't feel like the first one. No. And he talked about what it, how challenging it can be, particularly in the regular season, mm-hmm. uh, for them to get up for every game. And so as somebody who's accomplished so much in sport, I mean, you're, uh, you're elite amongst the elite. Given that, why does 2020 seem to matter so much to you? Man, I think I... I, for a lot of reasons, you know, um, a, I committed and if I'm committing to something, it means I thought about it. Um, and I thought I was capable of doing it and I wanted to. So the fact that I want to do it and I feel capable means that I have better in me. My potential drives me so much. Oh my hell. Like it's so fun feeling like you're improving in life. And the fact that I feel like I have room to grow in this sport, plenty of room to grow in this sport is so exciting. It pisses me off because I want to be so much better than I am, but it really drives me every day. And my practices where my coach's job is to make me uncomfortable every single day when they like kind of keep cracking the egg and keep, you know, poking me and making me uncomfortable and I grow because of it, it feels so good. And then when I compete and it shows up, Ah, it's, it's a win. It's a win in life. You know, it's important to recognize those things, but to Andre's point, it's, it is hard. I can't imagine being an NBA athlete and paying that many games, but to get up after you played for so long to have that same fire, um, it's different now. I'm not as hungry as I was when I was 20 and without any medals, You're you not. know, I, I'm just, not, that's just the truth. It's just the truth. Yeah. It's a, it's a different kind of hunger, you know? And I just, my life is so full, you know, and before I had a one track mind, literally one track. I, I mean, I had my, my faith, my family, my, in my career, you know, that's all I had, but my priority, <laughs> all my energy went one place. I almost lost my marriage because of it. Um, and I won't do that again. And that was, that was the start of a shift after 2008 when I almost lost my marriage and I can't, I can't do that again. Cause I won't have my husband. I won't have my family. Um, I got, I got to find a way to spread the wealth and to spread my priorities and my focus and pay attention to the, everything that I love. But you know, yeah, the energy that is required to be obsessed is gnarly. And I just don't have that capacity anymore because I have my three children and I have my husband and I want to be an amazing wife too. I don't just want to be his wife. I want to be an amazing wife. Um, and I fail at that every day, you know, but, um, yeah, so I'm hungry because I, I want to win. I mean, I just, that bronze pisses me off and I'm proud of it. 
Um, I'm not going to try to qualify and win because I have something to prove. I want to, there's better in me. And that is really, really exciting. And I believe in my partnership with Brooke Sweat. Um, and so I don't know, I'm, I'm just inherently fueled. I'm fueled on the inside. It's inspired more than motivated. And, you know, I think if you're motivated trying to get up for every single game, it's impossible. But if you're inspired, that's where it allows you to feel the discipline of the everyday. It allows you to do what's required on the day to day because you have a bigger purpose to it. You know, and it feels bigger than just the event. So how do you think about the distinction or the difference between inspired and motivated? Motivated. I I mean, it, it just, in my mind, motivated is pretty external. You know, like I'm, I'm motivated by the money. I'm motivated by the glory. I'm motivated by, you know, these things that'll come to me as a result of this, um, on the outside, but to be inspired to me is a touch of God, you know, and it's just, it's something that fuels your heart and your purpose in life. And, and that's hard to F with, (laughs) you know, like I've had some amazingly heartbreaking breaking days in my life. Um, but because I've been inspired and because I believe it, those days fuel me, you know, but if you're just relying on motivation, I think those heartbreaks would be like, no, I can't. It hurts too much. It hurts too much to lose. It hurts too much to put your heart on the line and get it broken. You know, if you're just playing for the money or if you're just playing for the end result at the end of the day, like you, you can't, you gotta, you gotta have a bigger purpose in it. And my purpose is to be a bright light in this world. My purpose is to live inspired and to aspire along, inspire along the way. Um, and that feels really big, you know? You said your purpose is to inspire and be inspired or tell me exactly what you said. Yeah. Well, I want to be inspired. I want to live an inspired life and I I'm inspired by everyone who's living an inspired life. You know, like if, if you follow me on social, like I, I retweet and repost so many rad people who are, you can tell they're just inspired. They want to do big things in this world. And I mean, whether I don't think money's a bad thing. I think it's a beautiful thing. I wish everyone, you know, had all the money they, they wanted in life. Um, but these people are driven by purpose. And I think when you're driven by purpose, it's just every day it's going to win out, you know, more than being driven by, by the Benjamins. Yeah. And I've heard you talk about intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation in this regard. And so I'm curious in that um, as a professional athlete, and of course you live in Southern California where there's lots of to put it mildly, extrinsic things going on. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, and the extrinsic really matters in your world because, and you know, maybe you'll tell me, but it seems like there's an opportunity for you to probably make more money from sponsors and other activities than there are from actual winnings in the sport, but you, you can. For sure. Yeah. <clears throat> We're trying to change that, but yes. And so I guess my point is, and of course there's all the medals and, and, and the championships along the way. And so I guess my question is, on one hand, you're in a world with a lot of extrinsic motivators, many of which, uh, if not all of which, you have accomplished and, you know, and blown through. But at the same time, you're intrinsically motivated. So how do you think about that in your head? I mean, I'm never going to be like, no, I don't want the money. <laughs> no, I don't want the gold. No, I you want know, the like, money. No, I want the gold. <laughs> I, I, I want it all. You know, and then it's just up to me to do good things with them. You know, it's just, those are... Those are outcomes. That's the result of passion and purpose to me is all the external stuff, you know, but I got to pay my bills. Like my brand partners without them, no way. I don't know how anybody, how 99% of the Bible world plays. I don't know because no one's making any money. 
it's crazy. Like we love the sport so much that we are willing to get nothing for it. And that has to change. And that's why P1440 was created to really service the athletes and to get the brands involved. Because I don't know why, where the brands have been the past 30 years in our sport. Our, our sport is sexy. It's family. It's, it's inspiring and aspirational. It's, you know, inclusive, diverse. It's all these things that the world wants and say they want, but there's no brand support behind it. And we really want to tell the story of the athletes so that, you know, cause that's what people get behind that people get behind the whys, they get behind the hearts and souls of the people But our sport has not done a good job of telling the stories of the people. And we had, except for Misty and I, you know, because we've been around for so long. Um, so we need to change that, but no, man, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's important to have both, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, but intrinsic to be inspired on the inside to, to want things because they're going to make you a better human being, or that's part of your life path. Um, you know, you're part of this team, whatever, whatever your situation is that you're going for, you know, I feel like it just has to mean something to you. Yeah. You know, um, there's a book called the, uh, the carpenter. Have you read it by John Gordon? No, I have not. It's such an amazing story about this, <clears throat> this man who's a carpenter and people could look at him like, Oh, you're just a carpenter. You know, you fix things all day, but he, he's a craftsman. He's a literal craftsman. He looks at every job, no matter big or small, that this is his work of art and his contribution to the world. And it fills him up. So I don't care if you're the janitor, a handyman, an athlete, a doctor, whatever it is. It's like how you frame it, you know, is so important. Yeah. And I, I want to be a craftsman when I compete, you know, and then all the other stuff that comes with it is beautiful, you know, and thank you for that. Um, hopefully it doesn't turn me into an asshole. <laughs> you know? I have a hard and, time believing you'll become an asshole. It's just, yeah. it's fascinating to me because it's in some ways it's a dichotomy, but maybe what you're teaching me is that it's not that on one hand, you know, fuck you with the bronze. I am going to go and I am going to win another gold in 2020 and with my new partner. And that's what I'm going to go do. And yet at the same time, it really does feel like you're somebody who as much as the extrinsic result matters, the intrinsic result seems to matter even more. Oh, I love how you just put that. Yeah. I mean, my bronze completes me. My dark side completes me. You know, I believe in, I believe in monoism, I guess, you know, there's a lot of duality in this world, but that's a completion. Right. Yeah. It's like you need to have both. And Einstein you can't have one without no the other. Genius without a touch of crazy or no a shit. touch of insanity. Something yes. like that. Yeah. And it's true. You know, like the idiot me, you know, kind of makes me to find my brilliance too. It's just, yeah, it's all one. And there's, you know, the contrast in my life, the, the tough times in my life, um, you know, have made me who I am, the failures. And, but I, I aspire to be a champion every single day. And I want to stand for sustained excellence a hundred percent. And that's what I want to be known for, you know, as a human being, as an athlete, that's what I want. You want but, to be known um, for sustained excellence. Yeah. I want to be the best there's ever been for forever. <laughs> you know, like I showed up every day yeah. with what I had, you know, and I think that's beautiful. And I'm, I listen to a lot of Abraham Hicks, um, which is law of attraction, you yeah. know, and what you think about is what you attract into your life. And I believe that 100%. And I believe that I attracted the bronze in my life. And I, because of my lack of discipline in my thinking, you know, mm -hmm. I think I, I lived in the what if a little bit too much. And I, I let a little bit of doubt become a mountain of doubt, you know, and I've lived in that for the past couple of years and I want to be done with it. And I want to attract excellence and so, goals at this point. I'll speak for myself. It, it seems crazy to hear Carrie Walsh Jennings 
talk about doubt. You're, you're, you're Muhammad Ali, lady. How do you have doubt? I love that you said that. It gives me chills. <laughs> no, but you are. I mean, you are the baddest uh, ass mofo to ever play the game that you play. That's so nice. I want to be. I don't know what to tell you. Like, it's just, I, I wonder if Muhammad had any doubt. I wonder if Michael Jordan had any doubt. Like, I, in my opinion, I mean, I just know me, you know, and I know that's part of my reality. And it's not 100% negative because it pisses me off and it fuels me. But at this point in my life, I think it, the fear of losing used to fuel me in such a powerful, bold way. Now the fear of losing limits me. It takes, it takes my power away, even if it's this much, you know, cause things I could be rolling and then I, I shank a ball and then I'm like, fuck, you know, there's a crack and that crack can become bigger. But before I'd be like, no, <laughs> you know, and I'd bust through it. So anyhow, I don't know. I feel like the greatest for sure have doubt, you know, you hear these actors talk and they do their best performance ever. And they're afraid that they're going to be found out that they're a fraud. Like, I feel like there's gotta be an element that in every top performer, because we know we know how good the world is at our craft and how, you know, amazing, you know, and how lucky we've been or how hard we work, but how maybe just how fleeting it all is, you know, like, and so I think that's just part of my life and yeah, I own it because I want to get rid of it. If I'm a victim to it, it's going to stay around forever. <laughs> so I have to live with it and look in the mirror and be like, what the hell are you doubt? Why are you here? you know, why am I allowing you to be here? Um, I'm starting to have conversations with it and I'm trying to crack the egg cause I want it gone. I want to transform it. I feel like if I want it gone, it's going to be bigger. So I need to transform it into wisdom. I need to transform it into some sort of secret power. And so how do you think about mental health? And I know you've uh, worked with a sports psychologist. And so how do you think about the mental part um, not just of your sport, but of your life? I mean, you have a gigantic, busy, life with children and husbands. And I know your folks matter a lot to you. I want to ask you about your dad. But like you have this gigantic life. Um, how, how, how does the mental part of the game of Carrie's whole life come into play in your mental health? Man, I, well, I feel like it's everything, you know, it's everything, especially especially if you're talking about elite performers, you know, like for me, everyone in my world is physical for Andre Iguodala. Everyone in his world is physical, knows how to play basketball, but what separates good from great to me, it's the heart and the soul of the team and it's the mental capacity. So, but so can my, I to interrupt you, but are, are no. you saying, I want to make sure I understand what you're saying. Are you saying that the physical capabilities at your level vis-a-vis -vis your competitors are such that you think it's the mental game that is the difference? Yes. What, what, what is it exactly? Yes. yes, yes. But it's also, but it's, it's mental for sure, because you have to, you have to frame things in a way where it's a challenge and it's exciting. Not like if I F up here, we're going to lose, you know, that takes, that requires some focus and some discipline and some training in, like, if I have this self-doubt, I'm going to pivot to what I want. I'm going to pivot to the, the now instead of being like, I just, fuck, I just, I just messed up. Or what if I mess up here? You have to live in the moment. And I think that's what elite performers do. You live in the moment because you can live in the past. You're jacked. Or if you're worried so about the what's future, that you're screwed. moment like where the match is on the line and it's super tight and you know that maybe it's going to come down to, you know, one or two moves or points. What's that like in terms of your mental game? It's rad. It's gnarly. Is that when you it's, feel the most alive? Um, to be honest with you, when I'm doing it right, I'm just so in it. Like I, 
And then afterward, I'm like, I knew we were going to win. I knew we had, I smelled fear. I literally smelled fear in my opponents. I looked in their eyes and I saw they were shaking. You do and look I at wasn't them in the eye, don't you? Oh, I feel them. Yeah. I mean, everyone's wearing sunglasses, but you can, you can sense how they're feeling, you know, and that's a big, big deal. And I've been around long enough and I, I am a human, like I've lived everything. I've lived every emotion. And so I, I feel like I have so much compassion in my life because I've lived so much and I feel like I know my opponents so well because I've been them. I've been in every situation scared. I've been in every situation ready, you know? And so I can sense that, but to get back to the mental component, I, to me at the highest level, you have to have your brain trained. You have to, you have to, because everyone is, everyone can do every skill very well, but who can do it more consistently? Who can do it in, you know, air quotes, crunch time. It's hugely important. And for a while, you know, reading up to Rio, I was having some sessions with Michael Gervais um, and he has an amazing podcast. I think you would like, it's called finding mastery. Um, and, you know, I was talking to him. I was like, you know, doc, when we're in these tight moments and when it's tied up and, you know, it could go into overtime and every, every word I used was adding pressure to the situation. He's like, hold on, Carrie. He's like, listen to how you're talking. He's like, there are no tight moments. It's just another moment. You're making it tight. He's like, let's reframe it. Let's say, okay, when it's a competitive moment. And to me, I literally was like, thank you. <laughs> Holy hell. Like you just liberated me from this prison of my mind saying, if I don't get this point, we're going to die. <laughs> you know, we're going to lose. That's how stupid, but to frame it as competitive, that's all I'm there to do is to be competitive and to show up. So, so yeah. So I think having that mental acuity and the, that training where that's how you frame the game is really important no matter what the point is. Cause if you take care of points one through 10, you'll be cruising and you'll be comfortable when it's, you know, nineteen nineteen because you've lived this so much and you're in every point by point. But to me, again, at the highest level, I believe it's the heart. That is the biggest difference. I, I just like the people who aren't afraid to care more and to literally to lay themselves open and say, I want this so bad. And you can tell by every being, every fiber of my being, Roger Fetter, he cries every time he wins. Like, my God, that's beautiful to me. You know, and like Tom Brady, the guy's been around forever and he cares so much and he's not afraid to say, I'm here to win and I care. You know, like I, a lot of athletes don't do that. And the athletes you know who, who um, do are rad. Do you know who Daniel Cormier is, the UFC fighter by chance? I know, I know the name, but I can't picture him. So he was undefeated for a very, very long time. He's still undefeated at heavyweight, which is kind of his normal weight class. Okay. But when he lost, I believe it was for the first time he was fighting at light heavyweight, he, in the middle of the octagon, kind of fell down and cried. Oh. And he was widely criticized in the MMA world for doing that. And I was kind of with you. I'm like... Well, yeah, of right. course. He had it all on the line and he lost it. One of the highest stakes thing, you know, of course. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's crazy. No, I, that to me, that's like. I don't know how you can't cry. One I of the cry, most beautiful I things. I cry right? sitting there watching you on TV. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, just I watched. Just cried. I just. Did you, have you seen this cried. movie that um, that won the Academy Award? I forget. For, forget sorry for forgetting his name. The guy who's the climber. Oh, free solo, Alex Honnold. He's incredible. Uh, uh, do you know him by chance? I just met him two weeks ago, and he's what awesome. was that like? He's him. 
Like he's, I thought he'd be a little bit more, um, I don't know. Cause he just seems like I, he's incredible. He was so personable. And I think I thought he'd be a little bit less so, but he's like a big kid mm. who's just a badass who loves what he does. He's a geek for what he does. And I love geeks for what they do. Have you seen he was the rad- movie yet? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was out of three kids. I, I'm sitting there watching it and my hands and my feet and my <laughs> yeah. armpits are all sweating. I'm sitting on my own freaking couch. And you know he's okay. <laughs> and I'm, yeah, we know he lives. Like it works, right? But like you're sitting here, remember that huge move that oh. he had to make? He called it the karate kick where he sort of has to go from one side to the other. And like, oh my gosh. I'm, I'm sweating thinking about it. It's like, I'm, it's, it's a crazy thing. And so it's beautiful. You know, yeah. I know that, that, all of America will literally be glued to our televisions and I will be sitting on my couch sweating for you <laughs> and Brooke as you compete oh. in the next Olympics like a Hell yeah. you know, like a nut. Like I, I was so. actually there with you. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's amazing when you get people to care along with you, you know, and I feel like that's one of, that's been one of my kind of secret powers is that I do like, you know, to go back to like our million, millions are watching you. What does that feel like? I don't know. I don't care about that. But what I do feel is literally the army of Americans and the army of warriors in my family and my friends who are behind me. I take that with me on the court hundred percent. And that's rad. And that to me is different than all the other noise, you know? Yeah. Um, but no, it's, I know to watch someone go after something that they love and they clearly are passionate for is amazing. Like Conor McGregor, you know, when he um, did the Mayweather fight and all this right. talking and all this stuff. And then afterward, when he lost and he looked at him and he goes, but I gave you a good run. And I was like, oh, I love it. I, Cause he, when he's talking shit and when he's, he believes it, you know, it's, it's, I mean, maybe he's chumping up a little bit, but no, his heart is in it, you know? And then he gave everything and he lost and he was still like head up. That's beautiful. You know, I can relate to that a little bit with the bronze, you know, head up because you gave it all you got. Well, and you sure were gracious. I mean, you've always been oh. gracious. I, yeah. Yeah. It's a humbling moment. You know, it really is a humbling moment. Um, it's a beautiful moment because, you know, you always have another day and it's just sport after all. But no, I, that hurt. That hurt me in my heart and soul. <laughs> it really did. So to come back and win was a beautiful opportunity. And I was really proud of April and I, and April was an amazing partner through all of that and our coach. And it was awesome. Now I got to ask you about your family and your dad, you know, our dear friend Miles, who connected us. Yes. He has told, and how do I want, I want to say this as nicely as I know how, because I, I want to respect <laughs> the awesomeness of who you are, but he's actually told me more about your dad than he has about you because how much he loves and respects and admires your dad. Oh man. So, Tell me about your dad and your folks. And you're going to make me cry. Man, my dad's just, he's just been my hero. You, you, if you, I hope you meet my parents one day, Chris, because my parents are just, they're it. They're who I want to be. You know, they, they've lived such a life together. And speaking of my father, he's like my most favorite. I'm a, I'm a sports fanatic. I love the greats. I love, I've studied Muhammad Ali, Bruce Lee, you know, Tom Brady, Andre, like Steph, all these amazing athletes I love and I cherish them because they teach me a lot. My father taught me so much. You know, he was, he's six, eight. Um, he was so graceful and so powerful, you know, and he had this combination of things that I always wanted and I'm built just like him. And he was my coach in baseball and basketball. And my mom coached me in volleyball. Um, but I don't know. He, my dad's just a cool ass guy. He's a ball player. You know, he's a pitcher, a six, eight pitcher. He had a handlebar mustache. He played in the trip, uh, triple A for the A's organization, played semi-pro basketball. Um, 
And then he had his kids and his family and committed to that. You know, and my, him and my mom have been together since they were 15 and 17. Wow. They've been through hell many times together. They lost, you know, I lost a little brother. You know, they've been through loss of child, of, of parents, of money. They've been through it all. And they um, are incredible. You know, and I, I tend to think that the woman sets the tone in the family, you know, because I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like we can see the big picture and we can we can carry a lot of weight in our shoulders, you know, um, not to say men don't, but I just think it's different. It's a woman's role, I think, to, to navigate the family and the, the guy's role, maybe to be knock down the doors and to make it possible to survive. But it's a beautiful mix. And my parents have a beautiful mix of how they've gone through this life, going through so much devastation and so many triumphs. And their faith and their love for each other have paved the way. But my dad was the first one. He, I, I, if I had an excuse in a game or in life, we'd be like, hey, no one wants to hear it. Stop. <laughs> You're not allowed to make excuses enough. You know, and it's gotten me out of so many tickets, you know, from cops because I didn't make an excuse. They're like, who are you? <laughs> You know, you're not even going to try. I'm like, no. Isn't that a funny thing? I learned this a long time ago, you know, because cops pull you over. And often the first thing they say is, do you know why I'm pulling you over? Yeah. And I learned to just tell them the truth. Yeah, I was, I think I was probably doing 90 in it. I I drive a 662 horsepower Mustang because I, not because I like to go slow. Yeah, Shelby Cobra. It's amazing. Oh, Um, goodness. But the cops will often let you off when you just are honest with them, right? Yes. And that's kind of a metaphor for life. You know, Although, like, do they recognize you when they pull you over? <laughs> uh, yes. Usually it's at too late and then they give me the ticket. I, it doesn't get me out of everything, but no, <laughs> but you know, but, um, yeah. And I just, it's how my dad lives his life. You know, it's like, yeah. show up, don't complain, get it done. No excuses. And then my mother on the flip side is like, do everything with a smile, play to win, play to, you know, kick their ass. But it's a good day, you know. Look, go look at the sun. Go do this. So it's so you a pretty sound rad like a combination. Nice blend of both of them. I think I am because my mom is a, a fucking warrior. Excuse my language. She is. <laughs> you can swear as much as you want with me. Kate. I know. <laughs> I know, but I just you know, kids listen. But um, no, it, it's the it's just yeah. My dad is this is a hero, and my mom is a saint, and um, I'm just blessed to be theirs, you know. But Maddie Lyles is good taste because my dad is. He's one of the good ones. You know, his heart is awesome and he pretends to be a grumpy big bear, but he is like the softest hearted, most hardworking, incredible human. I love him so much. I'm a daddy's girl for sure. I know what a deep sort of feeling man Matt Lyles is. Yeah. Um, And for him to say the kinds of things that he says to me about your dad and and who your dad has been. Oh yeah. And who your dad has been for him and been there at times, you know, when Matt felt like he, really needed a hand and your dad has shown up and so forth. And um, yeah, your dad must be an incredible guy. He really is. And Matt deserves that for sure. And um, my dad in the world deserves happiness. Isn't it Matt Lyle? Yes. So I'm I'm so happy he has it. Yeah. You know, we were in town, uh, 1440 had an event in San Jose last October and Maddie came out and served my husband and like balls at West Valley college. It was so fun. He's such a stud. He's so unassuming. Um, Is he one of the greatest looking men in the history of men or what? (laughs) He's pretty good looking. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and his heart is so good, you know, and good people just are cuter. Um, So he's got it all. Yeah. And I really appreciate my husband loves Matt very much. And I think it's a mutual love. And I I love when good people are connected. You know, it's awesome. Yeah. Now, I also wanted to talk to you about, you seem to at least as sort of a, a casual fan um, be an athlete who has done a very good job, not just, um, sort of doing the typical things with sponsors, but 
maybe even going a little bit of an extra mile. You know, you hear a lot of things about, you know, when athletes behave badly or, you know, and they get dropped by spawn, you know, there's all that sort of side mm-hmm. of it. You seem to be the opposite that, that you've cultivated really good sponsors and that you are the kind of uh, brand ambassador that these companies uh, really are dying to have. You're, you seem to be a dream come true and you seem to have very good relationships with sponsors as somebody who sort of looks mm-hmm. at it as a fan. But I'd be curious really how nice. you think about sponsors. Well, I mean, it's just a huge part of my world, you know, um, as an athlete, as an American athlete. Um, I'm so much more than just an Olympic athlete. You know, I play every year. It's not just the Olympics, but you know, prize money is not very much in our sport and we need to, we has been decent in the past, but it's gone downhill the past 10 years. And we, P1440 is really trying to service that. Um, and so the brand support and the brand support that I've had in my career has, you know, literally allowed me to chase my dreams without it. I would have jobs and I would be less, you know, uh, USOC, which is the American Olympic you know, committee is privately funded. And I think it's one of two federations around the world that don't take government support. You know, you talk to Italy, Russia, the Netherlands, all these other federations, these athletes are fully funded. They don't have to worry about rent, their coaches, their travel, anything. We pay for all of that. So we're out of pocket for everything. Then we get this much of a subsidy from our federation. And so without our brand support, it's not possible. Literally, it w- USA would never win a medal if, if the athletes didn't have brand support. And um, I appreciate that because to me, that's the American spirit. You know, um, it makes you fight and makes you accountable and there's no handouts. You know, you have to earn it. I love yeah. that. It makes us tougher. It's harder in some ways, but we're not bought and paid for. They don't own us. So we're autonomous, which is beautiful. Um, but my brand partners, you know, my biggest complaint about my brand partners is that they don't use me enough. You know, we're partners. Like if we're partners, we're partners, let's do stuff together. And it's such a gift. What do you mean they brand- don't use you enough? You know, I don't know, like have me out at events, you know, like please market me. Cause then I can market my sport. You know, and, and so, so many times it's just a tattoo and I don't want to just be a, a canvas. Like I want to be a mouthpiece for you, you know, and usually there's campaigns here and there, but maybe once a year, not that I want to do something every single day, you know, it needs to be an authentic fit. Um, but like I'm with Lululemon and they're so amazing. They're such a great Canadian company and they're global and they That's have all the name. values. <laughs> yeah, they're so wonderful. Now, they're they, so Canadian. Do they not use you enough? Because I, I would think no, if I was the CEO. but it's against their culture. But if I was the CEO or CMO of Lululemon, I mean, I would have you everywhere all the time. You'd be in the front of our store. I mean, I mean, especially uh, hair and makeup, right? (laughs) It helps. (laughs) No, but like the, 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 like, you know, it's, it's more of a female brand than a male brand. I I would say, although, although the men's stuff is incredible. Yeah. And I heard, we just had um, Joe Kudla on, who's the founder of Viore. If you've heard uh-huh. of them, Viore yeah. Clothing. Yeah. And he told me, I didn't know this, that the male Lulu brand is now about a billion dollars a year in revenue for them on the men's side. They've made a big push. My husband lives in Lulu and I know a lot of people think it's bougie and frou-frou, but it's it's performance and it's good looking. My wife so. just got me a Lulu workout t-shirt and it's now my favorite workout t-shirt. I feel a little like a dude dressed by his wife oh, when I wear kid. Lulu shit, but it, it is good shit. Well, make um, it your own. Exactly. Because it is it, it is the best. Like I went to their place um, in Canada, in Vancouver, right? Yeah, Vancouver. 
Okay. Thank you. Sorry, my brain, uh, Aussie brain. Um, and the testing they do on the, their materials is second to none. It's, it's so incredible and it's for a purpose and it's so good looking. So yeah, Lulu, I'm so proud to be with them. And yeah, and you know, their make culture your uniform is grassroots. as well, or do you, they so do. What we, and see they you on the, what we see you wearing on the beach is Lulu now. Oh, oh, hell yeah. Yeah. That's why it's so fun, fun as an athlete, beach volleyball athlete, because the athletes can wear their brand partners, you know, like other federations, if Nike, like Nike is a USOC sponsor, but right. I, I own my uniform. So that's a big opportunity, you know, for, for my brand partners to kind of go in and show themselves to the world, which makes me really proud. You know, it's, I want to be valuable to my partners. Now I got to believe this is true for the vast majority of athletes, which is whatever they wear doing their sport matters. It's a, it's a critical, and maybe you'll tell yes. me the most critical part of their gear, but in your sport, because you don't wear very much, um, yeah. you, you can't have, you know, I don't, do they still call them wardrobe malfunctions? Like you, you don't want oh, this well. shit blowing up in the middle of a match, right? <laughs> this shit needs to work, right? It needs to be high and tight. It needs to be <laughs> customized for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think there's been like one or two um, wardrobe malfunctions that I've been part of with my partners, but it's never happened to me, but no, it's, it's hugely important. Like anyone's uniform, it's really important. You know, at the end of the day, I could go out and play naked and I'd be fine. Cause I'm just there competing, but I know I, my, I take it a lot of pride the in demographic of who watches yeah, probably, the sport. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just looked mentally thought of all the positions I'm in probably shouldn't happen, but, um, but no, my bikini is performance. It's a hundred percent performance, you know, and I, I really do. I've said this so many times. I really do appreciate the inherent sex appeal of our sport. I think all sports are sexy because the female form and the male form is so sexy. The, the body in motion is a beautiful thing. I love it. Um, you know, it doesn't need to be sexified though, you know, like, and, and that's where I think people, when you look on the outside, looking in, people think that, you know, we're walking this line where we're kind of, you know, objectifying ourselves. It's like, hell no. Like if you do anything, what I do in the day to day, I don't think about that one bit. I, I wear a bikini cause it's, it's my uniform. It's what makes most sense. And it literally is performance enhancing. Um, and you know, the, the sex appeal is just part of it. And if you're looking at that way, that's fine. That's on you. <laughs> Well, and I was thinking about you in in this regard uh, in preparation for our discussion. Uh, You know, same thing with with a guy like talking to Andre or um, uh, I've gotten to know Bill Walton and he's been on the podcast twice and I'm head head over heels in love with Bill Walton. Yeah. And and so just having, you know, gotten to meet some of you legendary athletes, I'm curious, like when your body is the instrument, if I could put it that way, but I'm curious, how do you, what's your relationship with your body, given your body matters to you in a way that my mind can't, I, I can't, I, I gotta uh, believe your body is more important to you than my body is to me. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be, you know, um, you know, whether you just use your brain all day long, um, you know, you're behind a desk. If you're just, you know, like our bodies are part of the whole, you know, and for sure, I use my body way more than you do in my line of work. Like I have to, I have to pay attention to my muscle mass and what I'm feeding it and perhaps more than you, but I would love for this world to embrace our bodies as part of the greatness of the complete whole of us, you know, because if my body's weak, my mind is going to be weaker. My system is going to be weaker. You know, if I'm not feeling myself properly, it's just going to limit me somewhere. So, um, yeah, I just, I think we all just need to 
we all need to prioritize the entire system, you know, not bits and pieces, you know, humans are special because of the, the wholeness of us and every, all, all of our capacities, body, mind, and spirit. And so to me, to be a badass in life, you need to pay attention to body, mind, and spirit, not just mind, you know, if you're an academic, not just spirit, if you're a guru. And not just body if you're an athlete. You know, if I'm literally just focused on my body, I'm going to be an idiot out there. You know, I'm not going to be prepared for the strategy that's coming at me. I'm not going to, you know, mentally be able to whisk down the ups and downs. Um, and if I don't have my, you know, my connection to my source, to my God, to myself, I'm effed. You know, so I really yeah. do believe that that Trinity is most important. Um, but I love the fact that my body is my my weapon out there. I, I I have come to appreciate my body so much more over the past twenty years because it's, I've been playing this sport for twenty years. It's given me three kids. Um, I've had six shoulder surgeries. You know, I take nothing for granted at this point. It's been through hell and back. And what I know about my body is that it's resilient. And it's capable of healing itself in an incredible way if my mind is right, my heart is right, and I'm fueling it right. You know, like surgeries should not be the go-to. It should not be. It should be the the last thing you do. And I think too often in our society, we're like, I have a bum shoulder. I'm going to go get it fixed. Surgery is not guaranteed, first of all. And you have to restart things and... um, yeah. So I don't know. I've learned so much about myself through, through the wars I've been in the sport and I just appreciate the resilience it's taught me. It's the, the lessons, the metaphors for life that my body holds is pretty powerful. Now I, I'm somebody who is uh, blown away by and fascinated by legendary women. I'm the product of a single mom and I'm married to an extraordinarily powerful woman. Um, and, and so I, I look at you and I just go, no, wait, wait a minute. Uh, you went to the Olympics pregnant, did you not? <laughs> very early, but yes. yes. Well, very Little early. If, yeah. You know, guys, if we have it, like, I got a bum <laughs> knee right now. I can't do anything. I'm a you know, whiner and moaner. And like, we, I, I, how do you? Well, I think that's why women carry the babies. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, thank God. Uh, but like, how do you go to the Olympics and compete and win as a pregnant person? Uh, well, I mean, literally it was, I was in month two max, you know, um, so what? well, I, well, you're yeah, still no, making a, a you were making a, a person, I you was. were winning oh and well, making people at the same time. Well, it's how, not how a big do you do deal. That? It's not a big deal. Cause it's what God allowed me to do with my body, you know, and I, Casey and I, so the Olympics were in August and we, we just like, we just tried early, <laughs> you know, we're like, we're going to have another baby. Let's just start trying. And we're very fertile and we just, you know, it just happened for the Olympics. And so, um, I don't know. It was just, it was the most beautiful realization when I realized at London that I was pregnant, you know, and I had two of the easy, I probably had two, two, maybe two bad days, my first two pregnancies. Like I'm one of those a-holes who feel good, who love it. Um, who doesn't have a bad time, you know? So I wasn't worried about trying to get pregnant. People were like, well, you're so selfish for doing that. You know, what if you got morning sickness or what if this not? And I wasn't worried about it because I just, the doctors all say, based it on your prior experiences. And so I was golden as far as I was concerned. Um, yeah. So it just makes a beautiful story even that much more beautiful, you know? No, but, but look, who am I to tell you what to think? But like, I, that is a not, look, I don't know what it's like to make a baby, but that is a non-trivial achievement 
lady. I mean, to, to be in that situation, to be, to have your body working on that and then to be so physically and mentally challenged by having to go and compete while your body is in the process of making a person, even if it is in the beginning of the process, it, it's yeah. just, it seems mind blowing to me. And it's an inspiration to me as a guy. I can't imagine the inspiration you must be to other women. Um, but well. Fucking a girl. <laughs> It's much, it's much more challenging once the babies come out and all that work. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so tell me about that side. part about being a mom and now uh, coming back from being pregnant three times Yeah, and to still have to use your body as this instrument, this incredibly powerful uh, weapon against your competitors. And uh, of course you gain a ton of weight as a, as a pregnant gal. And then you've got to lose that 37 weight. pounds each time. 37. Yeah. I, I could not crack 40 because I would have been over 200. I didn't want to get over 200. <laughs> oh, it was I don't tough. like being over 200 pounds either. <laughs> yeah, neither does my husband. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to be bigger than my husband, but I was. Um, no, I mean, I just, I'm so grateful. You know, like what a beautiful gift to be a mommy and to be an elite athlete. Like it's, it's everything. You know, my kids have given me a perspective in life and inspiration life that I did not have before. Um, my job started to feel trivial before I had kids and I started to hate it and resent my job because it was so, I was so focused on myself and it was exhausting, you know, like it was, it was just not fulfilling anymore. And then, you know, I, we have our boys back to back, they're Irish twins. And it gave me this new appreciation for my body, this new appreciation for this amazing job I have that I get to travel around the world, chase these dreams and realize them and grow as a human, um, brought me closer to my husband you know, um, but just to give you a little perspective, like my mother carried triplets for her sister. Um, what, what, what? explain that? Yeah. Me. My mom was a surrogate. My mom who at the time had already had five kids. Um, I think she was turning 37. Maybe she, she offered to be surrogate for her sister, Michelle, who couldn't have babies. My mom's one of eight kids. My family is all about family and the more babies, the better. And one of the eight kids couldn't have kids. And she tried everything. And so my mom's like, you know, I, I, I want to do this for you. And she ended up having triplets for her sister. And so me being however many weeks pregnant I was in London is nothing, you know, like, it's just, it's what I'm here to do. It's how God made me. Like, that's amazing. So I have my mom who literally, she's had eight kids, <laughs> you know, she's an incredible human being. She will kick your ass and, and help you up at the same time. You know, um, I just, I have amazing role models in my life. So what I've done is nothing. What's it like for her now to have carried those kids and how old, how old are the triplets? I think they're 25 now. Uh, Jackie, Ronnie and Tony, two girls and a boy at the time people were like, Oh my gosh, Margie, are you going to be so sad? She's like, hell no. (laughs) She's like, I got my kids. She has such, she has such good perspective. She carried them to term. Like they were each five pounds. Like she did a wow. good job. Um, That's called being a hell of an aunt, an auntie of the decade award right there. <laughs> oh man, my mom, she's part angel. I tell you, and warrior. So uh, my dad picked her good. Um, no, but anyhow, just being a, being a female is a, is a gift. You know, like I just, I, there's so many things, you know, as an athlete, as a, as a male athlete, you are judged upon your, your winning only. 
you know, and as a woman, that's not good enough, you know? And so I feel like the wholeness of me, thank God I'm more than just an athlete because it allows me to get more into the world and to maybe perhaps to inspire more in other people. You know, I, I really, it really hits my heart. People love that. I'm a working mommy, you know, that I was pregnant in the London games and, and that I came back after that and came back for more. And then I'm 40 and I'm still going, you know, like there's so many beautiful stories within the world of sports. And I'm proud that the, kind of the global picture of me get provides inspiration for people, you know, that that's really very humbling and it makes you want to be better in every capacity. Well, and I think that is such a huge part, a part of why you are inspirational. You know, I, I look at you as a fan and you just come across as what I would describe as a 360 degree person, oh. right? I mean, you're clearly yeah, committed so. to your family. You're clearly committed to your husband. Um, you're clearly committed to your, your, your kids and you're the baddest ass motherfucker in the history of the sport. <laughs> oh, I want to be. I so want to be Chris. <laughs> you are. What do you, you want to be? But I, but I want to win now. You know, I want to win now. The world is better than it's ever been. So to win a gold medal in Tokyo, you'll have to be the best the world's ever seen. And I want that. And I want that along the way with Brooke. And we're going to get there. So, uh, yeah. No, I know. I know. Like my, my family makes me fierce. They make me gnarly because I have to leave them. I was just in, in Australia for 10 days away from my husband and my kids. That's it. It's, it's not heartbreaking because it's a choice, but it hurts my heart every day, sure. you know? And my kids are like, Joey's nine about to be 10. Sundance is eight about to be nine. Scout is about to be six. And they know now it was, I thought it was hard when they were babies, but now they're older. They're like, mom, you're choosing this over me. And I'm like, Oh shit. How do I, how do I talk about this? You know, but they're on my team and they feel like they're on my team. And my husband is incredible. Cause it's, it takes a man to do, you know, just, to support all of this. It takes a man you know? to do half a woman's job. <laughs> well, we're all in this together, you know, and no, my husband is such a good daddy and you know, it, he's such a good man and he, he wants me to win. Like before Rio, he's like, babe, just so you know, my job is to get you that gold medal mm -hmm. and to do whatever it takes. And that I started bawling like that means so much to me. And he, I gave him my, my Rio bronze, but I still want to upgrade it to gold. Because he deserves that, you know. I none of this works without him. That's a very, very powerful thing to say. Oh, Particularly, well. and I'm curious about your training. Um, it, it appears to me that you train, you know, five, six days a week, five to eight hours a day. But, but tell me what what a week of training um, in your life is like. So I am on the beach Monday through Friday um, for about two to two and a half hours. And that's dedicated time to the team. So we're, I'm with my partner, Brooke, and we either have two or three coaches with us and another team or just our coaches and us. And we're working on, you know, tactical training. We're working on technique. We're working on, you know, team flow and movement, um, individual work, and then teamwork. And it's really fun. It's, we have three Brazilian coaches and we get if you've ever been trained by a Brazilian, like there's just more touches involved than anything. Like my first 10 years, I think like my first year with a Brazilian coach surpassed all the touches I had in my first 10 years. Like it's gnarly. They just, they want you to own the ball and they have these processes and these progressions that it's such a beautiful way to coach any sport. I love it. Um, so by training, I'm a lot on the beach every day. And then I usually have one or two other trainings after that whether it's Pilates in studio on the beach or in my backyard, or it's I strength train twice a week um, with my trainers at uh, Orange County Fast Switch. Um, I do mental training 
um, I have a halo sports set or headset that Mike Gervais, you know, referred me to. Um, I do a lot of meditation. I don't do enough therapy, but each of my workouts are therapy in, in that way. Um, so yeah, so yeah, I work out a lot. It's my job, but, um, recovery is just as important. You know, we have an infrared sauna upstairs. We have an ice machine and an ice bath that I need to start using more. It's been a little bit too cold. I've been a wussy. Um, I but I prioritize a, um, that. A compression ice pack. Yeah. And the, the combination of the compression and the ice, mm-hmm. wow, what an incredible thing. Ice is a beautiful thing. It nice. really is a beautiful gift. Yeah, I really want us to get a cold plunge. Um, I think Fur- Furrow Health, I don't know how to pronounce it, but they have these cold plunges that are they look beautiful if you, if you follow them on Instagram. Um, and so yeah. do you sit in an ice bath like fighters do? I love it. Every time I do it, I love it. You know, I'm a big, I'm a big lover and appreciator of Gabby, uh, Gabby Arbys and Laird Hamilton and their XPT life. You should all check it out. You know, the way they do, cause they're, Gabby, I think is, they're puppies. I think Gabby might be 49. Laird is early fifties. Um, and they just keep getting better and better and better. And those are the people in my life, body, mind, and spirit, they're getting better. And those are the people in my life that I look to, I look to see what they're doing you know, cause I want to steal from them and make it my own. Um, and those two got Casey and I into the ice baths, into the infrared sauna, um, cause it's part of their daily ritual to make them able to sustain their level. They're out and keep, keep surpassing it, which is nice. So training is awesome. I love being fit. Training is the easy part. You know, the recovery is harder for me. Um, you know, prioritizing sleep and nutrition. Um, sometimes I forget to eat, which I can't, you, you know, like I need to feel myself. Chef or do you have some, like, how do you handle your nutrition? I stop by lazy acres and I, you know, and whole foods and I, I live at those places. Um, and it might, you know, I have shakes a lot, but we do for a while, for about a year, we had someone cook us dinner five nights a week and, um, Nikki and she's awesome. And it, it saved us money. It saved us time and it allowed us to eat and introduce our kids to newer, you know, different foods than I can cook. Um, it sounds so bougie, but it was, um, it was, it was a beautiful thing and really smart. I think we're gonna start doing that again, but otherwise, yeah. You know, we just try to eat, we eat clean. We certainly are not perfect. Um, but we're mindful of it for sure. And how do you think about, you know, particularly in a world now where athletes are so highly uh, tested and mm-hmm. are, are you in the USADA yeah. Olympic pool? I would imagine. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they and come, so they could show up right now and say pee in this cup or whatever. Yeah. And if I don't have to go, they'd hang out for a couple hours. <laughs> Right. And so you hear about uh, athletes who, you know, they'll take some, I don't know, creatine that had a trace of something, something in it and they'll get, Mm -hmm. they'll get. So how do you, in a world where you, in a world where it's easy to get in trouble, even if you don't intend to be taking something that you're not supposed to take, how do you deal with that part of it? I'm actually probably a little too casual than I, than I should be. Um, I lean on my, um, chiropractor and my trainer, Tommy Knox, and he is very well versed in the world of standard process supplements, which is my favorite company. And they are as clean as it gets. And if Tommy recommends something, I know he knows that I'm clean. So I will take whatever he gives me. <laughs> you know, yeah, I haven't been tested positive yet. Um, but no, it's just, you know, it, it's kind of unfortunate because there's so many, I mean, there's so many amazing supplements out there, but if the facility is tainted with something that you shouldn't have, literally could, you could have trace in you, in your body and you're going to get in trouble. Um, so you have to be mindful, but I just, I feel like once you found your trusted store source, which I have long, long time ago, you stick with it and then you're just open, you know, and you write down on the list, you know, you're just, yeah, 
you just tell people what's going on and you, you stay away from drugs first and foremost, then you don't have to worry. Um, yeah, but I, I, our sport is very clean and I'm proud of that. And I'm proud to be, you know, in the, in the testing pool, because I think we need to hold people accountable. I know there's other countries that their athletes are forced to take these things. You know, I, I have no doubt that the Russian athletes had no idea what they're taking, like largely, you know, I just believe that. Um, but again, I think that's the gift of being an American where we have self accountability. And if you test positive, it's your fault. You know, yeah. you can't blame anyone else. Um, a lot of other federations can't do that. Do you have an extra little bit of uh, joy in your heart when you so, sort of have a feeling that you've beaten uh, some gals that might have been on stuff? Uh, <laughs> I have a, well, I've, you know, I, 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 we've had suspicions about other teams, but you, again, anything that's going to distract you from your goal, like, and that would distract me. I, you know, I don't, I don't think about that. I really, I'm Pollyanna by choice. <laughs> You know, like I, I just, I really do want to see the best in everybody. And if, if someone beats me, I'm never gonna be like, oh, they're on roids, you know, or like, it's not possible what they're doing. Like, there's no way, you know, other sports for sure. I think that's more of it, but in our sport, I think it's, it's a non-factor. Yeah. Now, Carrie, I could talk to you forever, clearly, but I want to be respectful of your time. And I know you have to get back to being a uh, world champion. Is there anything else that you want to touch on before we wrap? Um, well, if you would allow me to do a shameless plug for P1440, um, thank you. Yeah. You know, so in 2018, we launched P1440, um, and we're tell, a technology tell me about the name. So, okay. So we're platform 1440, um, because we're not, we're not just a volleyball tournament event series. We are a platform or technology platform. That's the larger side of us because we want to scale. We want to be global with our offerings and our offerings. We have four pillar of offerings. We have competition health and wellness, personal development, and entertainment. And those four pillars are just inherent and very inauthentic fit to the lifestyle of myself as a professional athlete because competition is my sport. So we put on these high-level world-class events where the best of the best can compete. That's part of 1440. Um, and then health and wellness, body, mind, and spirit. You know, how are you feeling yourself nutritionally? You know, which, um, you know, mental coach are you using? We have, we give our community access to these amazing experts in the health and wellness field. And it's pretty incredible. Personal development, you know, physical fitness. We have this, um, this shipping container that we've converted into a gym that goes to all of our events. And then we have four world-class leading physical fitness experts come and give workshops, you know, every two hours on site. So again, access is huge for P1440. And then entertainment, we have live music, we have the sport, we have live podcast sessions. So if you would ever do us the honor of hosting a live podcast on site with us, we can get you a studio audience. Are you kidding? And an amazing, yeah, you Say the word lady and I'm there. Oh, I anywhere in the world. I'll go anywhere to really? do that with you. Absolutely. Okay, well, be careful what you say, Chris. No, listen, if you, if you invite me to come do one of these things with you, I am all over it. Okay. We'll get you the guest of your dreams. I would love to do that. Well, you're the guest of my dreams, but we'll have a rerun. So all of those four pillars exist on site at our events. So it's kind of like a festival, like a wellness, badass wellness festival where you have the best of the world of beach volleyball competing. And then so it also like just sort of technology for beach volleyball. It is. It's, I said this before. It's kind of, it's part Wanderlust, part Coachella and part Olympics. Cause you have hey, all of those. You gotta do one here in beautiful Santa Cruz, your old stomping grounds. Well, I, funny you say that. Hopefully, hopefully in 2019. 
um, or 2020, but you know, they used to have the Corvos in Santa Cruz. And I think those, those were so crazy. The city doesn't want them back, but we're a little more tame. Um, but we still like to have a good time. So hopefully soon, do you know anybody? I need someone on the coastal commission that can get us in. I don't know, but I'm willing to start digging around for you. I'll right. do whatever I can to support you. Well, thank you. Well, I, I'm going to, I'm going to hit you up then. Cause I would love to go. I mean, I did junior lifeguards on that beach every day. I cried every day. Cause I'd go on that damn water afraid of great white sharks. Um, that was like part of my early upbringing memories. I loved it there. Um, anyhow, so we have our four pillars at our events. So they're very immersive. You know, we want people, people to engage because books don't teach, words don't teach, experience does. So we want to give access to our sport, access to our experts, to our community on site. And then again, we want to scale. So all of this lives at p1440.com and on our free app, P1440 in the app store. Um, so you can live the P1440 lifestyle 365, 24-7. So right now, last year, we were kind of an events company because we had to make a big splash and our priority was on the events and getting our brand built that way. But moving forward, 2019 onward, we're going to make a big push for creating content, curating content, lessons, content excuse me, licensing content for our app and our technology platform um, so we can service you guys to the best of our ability. And we're going to have events. So we'll have our, um, we'll have our tournament schedule coming out in the next couple of months. And who's your target audience? Who's the, who's the, as we say today, who's the avatar? The avatar who's the demo. Um, yeah. You know, that's a hard question because we want to, we are for everybody. You know, but I think we're probably most prominent 18 to 54, that kind of range. Um, you know, volleyball is the number one sport for girls and women, eight to 18. There's because there's so much opportunity in our Even sport. Even more with, so than soccer, Carrie. Yes, yes. There's so much opportunity. Soccer, I think largely girls are leaving the sport very early because it, it's just, it's crazy. And in, in volleyball, you have 12 scholarships on the indoor side. And now there's up to six scholarships on the beach side. For NCAA collegiate sports, divisions one, two, and three. That's crazy. And then you have the AVP you can play on after college. You can go play in Europe. You can play on P1440. You can play in the Olympics. So I think, you know, where there's opportunity, there's more athletes competing. And for some reason, volleyball, it's just, it's such a fun sport. You can have a life and play volleyball, even though it's so high level. Basketball, I loved. And I played at Archbishop Midi in San Jose. But I feel like if you're, you can't have a life and I love mm. basketball. I don't want, I do not want to down, like hurt it at all. Cause I love it. But I, I found it harder to juggle life with basketball than with volleyball for some reason. And so I, yeah. And I, I, I probably don't, yeah, I'll just cut it there. Cause I love basketball and it made me so much better for volleyball. Um, How tall are you? Remind me, Carrie. I'm six, two and a quarter. And do you have a sense for what the average WNBA player would be height wise? Oh, hell. Um, no. I, I would assume I'd be maybe average. Okay, but there'd be plenty. I think that they're pretty tall. That. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm. And how you tall know, are you think, compared to the, your tall competitors in in uh, beach volleyball? I'm on the tall side. You you know, we have a couple. There's a girl who's six five, six four, um, and I'm just like, oh hell. <laughs> and on the indoor side, yeah, these but girls I bet are getting can't tall. Spike fast. the ball the way you can. <laughs> ah, not as consistently. <laughs> you know, I grew a little bit late in life, and that served me very well because I had to focus on the fundamentals. When you're tall early, you get away with sloppy play because you're physical, you're taller, you know, you have this reach, but when you are smaller and that's why I always want to play like I'm a small one, you are feistier, you have better footwork, you have better touch in the ball. And so I feel like growing late really served me well and I can still improve on those things that I aim to. But, um, so for the tall kids out there, master the fundamentals. They like to put tall, good kids in a corner and say, you can only do this 
and be the best at it, but you can only do this. And they let the, the, the small kids go over here and do a bulk of the work, but then they don't get to do the fun stuff. And I just, I don't believe in that at all. I think and everyone is going to be the best, do everything. How old were you when you had the growth spurt that made you six two? So I think I was like five, nine, maybe sophomore year. And then I grew to six feet by my junior year. I grew a little bit in college. Yeah. Um, so I was just kind of a late bloomer. I'm still blooming, <laughs> but I was never short. I want to get that clear. I was never short. Yeah. Um, but and you know, I, I wasn't you always lean. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If you see my father, I am my mother through and through. People thought I had an eating disorder cause I was so skinny. Like I was exceptionally skinny. No, not so much, but I packed on some oh. weight. I'm working real hard in the weight room. Yeah, you're looking and, real you know, fat to me, Carrie. <laughs> not fat, just different, just different. <laughs> you know, the 40-year-old is, is different, but I'm grateful for my body, so. Well, I'm so excited what you're doing. And look, I'm somebody who's not a volleyball player, but I have played. And the fun thing about volleyball, um, as opposed to, you know, soccer or basketball or whatever, is, you know, two people or four people mm -hmm. on the beach can play each other for shits and giggles. Hell yeah. It's, it's kind of like, um, not that I'm going to do tons of this, but lately uh, our family's done a little bit of bowling around here. We have. Oh, how fun. Oh, it's so fun. I, I love bowling. I suck, and but it's fun <laughs> to suck. And you have a couple of beers and a pizza and everybody yells and cheers each other on. And silly That's competitions awesome. happen and you throw the ball between your legs. And, and totally. so, you know, the fun thing, particularly living where I live is it, it you could just you could just play volleyball anytime. And it's one of those sports yeah. where you don't have to be that good to have that, to have a ton of fun. A hundred percent. I totally agree with you. It's yeah. And I hope to play until I'm, you know, going to heaven when I'm 90. Like, it's just, it, there's so much joy in the sport and it's, it, it is, it's very community based. And that's why we're so excited for 1440 to bring this community together. But again, like people are forgetting to play in life. You know, not just the kids playing sports, they forget that it's about play, but it's adults. We're so, we got some sticks up our tissues, you know, like life is meant to be playful and have fun. Um, and it's just, it's part of the balance you have, you know, that you have to have these moments of celebration and of connection, you know, work your ass off, please, and have fun, great luck, but you have to have the flip, flip side of it. Um, one of my favorite Bruce Lee quotes is anything to the extreme is unsustainable. Mm. And that's with anything in life. You know, if you only go hard, you know, busting your ass, you're going to burn out. You're going to die. You're going to have a heart attack. You're not going to enjoy life. Um, so you have to have the folks out of that. So yeah, bowling. I grew up, my parents were in bowling links in Santa Cruz. It was oh, so fun. Really? We saw a couple of fights. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, it's funny. The and place that we like to go to is so busy that you have to reserve uh, a lane ahead of time because there's so many That's leagues awesome. and like, it's just, it's, I, I didn't know until very recently, Carrie, that bowling is this thriving thing in Santa Cruz. It's really That's kind of fun. Awesome. That's <laughs> rad. I, I hope that picks up everywhere. I'm so, I'm so happy you guys are doing that. Yeah. Any age. It's so good. Yeah. Anything else you want to touch on? No, thank you. Sorry. I can talk forever too. I, I listen, I, I think you're fantastic. I want you to know, uh, we have a wonderful home in Santa Cruz. You're always welcome. Oh, we have room for you and your family. <laughs> Uh, so nice. You know how much I love Maddie and, and Jamie and their kids. Um, yeah. uh, you know, I performed at their wedding and I just love oh, wow. them around. And so I uh, always love to welcome you to Santa Cruz anytime you're here. Well, thank and I also, you. also, you know, on this, uh, on this forum that we have, I also want to say to you, um, I will be with you in 2020. And I know the vast majority of Americans will. 
And I can't wait uh, till the two of you go there and win gold again. And uh, I just can't wait to see you compete on that stage again. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Chris. That means, is it bad that I go like this every time you say 2020? No, I'm a, I'm a fighter. <laughs> I like it. And, and look, this may be a corny thing to say to you. You are America's champion. Ah, uh, damn. I want to be. I really do. It's a, it's a, it's a joy of a lifetime to be doing what I'm doing, you know, and I, I cannot, I mean, I know you're Canadian, but well, you're I'm obviously also American I've Amazing. Been years ago. Congratulations. I, 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 as an immigrant to this country, I can tell you, I love this country deeply. I love that. Well, I can tell. And, um, I love that. And I, yeah, there's, it's such a joy to represent our country. Like I just, I'm so proud to be American. And I, one of the best gifts in my job is travel the world to experience other cultures. And I love it. Like I've learned so much and I, I respect the world so much. There's nothing like being an American and living in America. And the spirit that we have is, is God given, you know, and I hope we always live in it because it's one of our biggest strengths. And so I will take you with me on the way to Tokyo, not just in Tokyo, but all, all along the way because we'll need it. Um, yeah. And my goal is to represent to the best of my ability and to make it golden for sure. Well, and as corny as it sounds, Carrie, you make us fucking proud. Ah, thank you. Thank you. I want to. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> thank you, Chris. This has been so fun. Thank you very, very much. I really appreciate your time. I'll see you in Santa Cruz one day, huh? Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Carrie Walsh Jennings on the podcast. <laughs> man, oh man. If you don't like that, I give up. Um, incredible. A, a, a true American treasure and a ferocious lion-hearted champion. Now in business, if you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. And today, more than ever, you want to stay on top of the seminal numbers, the critical numbers that drive your growth. And that's where my friends at NetSuite come in. Imagine having every critical number you need to manage and grow your business anytime, anywhere. On your smartphone, on your tablet, uh, on your PC, on your laptop, on whatever. NetSuite makes that happen. They deliver awesome dashboards that allow you to stay on top of where you are with orders, sales, uh, accounts receivable, accounts payable, uh, all your critical finance and accounting functions, inventory, and even HR. Yeah, even HR. <laughs> Thousands of the best known brands and fastest growing companies on the planet use NetSuite because NetSuite is the category king in cloud ERP, a complete business management system for running your operation on the cloud. And now it's available to you and it's surprisingly cost effective. And as a listener to this podcast, NetSuite is offering you a free one hour growth review with an expert in your industry. So go to netsuite.com slash different today. Uh, all right. If you want to send us email, uh, you can email us at uh, blackhole at lockhead.com. And if you want to check out my weak social media, <laughs> my nephew says I'm weak. Uh, you can follow me at Lockhead and at Lockhead on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, all right. We would like to thank the Beach Volleyball Tour that delivers a lot more. There's an app. There's a whole lot to learn. Check out uh, P1440 at P1440.com. Niche Down, How to Become Legendary by Being Different, the number one bestseller by Heather Clancy and myself. Check it out. Uh, the amazing folks at OneLifeFullyLived.org. This is the nonprofit helping you dream, plan, and live your best life. 
uh, growwire.com. This is what entrepreneurs are reading. Check it out. It's an awesome new website. If you want to scale yourself, um, check out Bottleneck Virtual Assistance. Maybe it's time you got some help and leverage the power of virtual assistance. Check out bottleneck.online. And coming out very soon, the brand new book from my friend and uh, return guest, multi-time guest on this podcast, Hal Elrod. Hal's got a new book out called The Miracle Equation. Check it out. Maybe even do a little pre-order right there. Um, And the Front Row Foundation. Um, This is an extraordinary group of folks who work with people who have life-threatening conditions to give them an experience that they will never forget. And uh, having been associated with them for a while, I'll tell you, it's an extraordinary thing to make a dream come true for somebody uh, whose life is being threatened. Um, Anyway, check out my dear friends at thefrontrowfoundation.org and make a contribution if you can. All right. This podcast is the sole property of the Lockhead Oddcast Network, and we'd love you just a little bit extra. If you shared this episode with Carrie with the world, God knows the world needs lots of Carrie Walsh. (laughs) All rights do remain perturbed. We must warn you that this podcast is clearly produced in a studio that does contain nuts. Uh, Remember to teach kids beach volleyball. Never forget that a massive disadvantage can be converted into an unfair competitive advantage. Hey, pre-eye owners, I I love you, but you just, you gotta get out of the passing lane. Get out of the left-hand lane. Listen to Tom Waits. Remember, George Carlin was right. And if you haven't changed your mind lately, how do you know you have one? Thank you, Dandy Candy. I love you, Mom and Dad. And hey, Colin, this podcast really ties the room together, doesn't it? Today, our deepest apologies go to Marcus Rust, chief executive of Roseacre Farms. Sorry, Marky, we just ran out of time for you. Hey, I want you to know I really appreciate you investing part of your life with me. Thank you so much. And until we're together again, follow your difference.